0: And I think for me, you know, what's really at the crux of a lot of the work I do is that the point of preservation isn't just to preserve things for its own sake, but it's to make sure that people are able to connect with cultural heritage.
1: Welcome to Cinema Reignited, a podcast by the Academy of Canadian Cinema and Television, powered by Telephone Canada. I'm Samaha Ali, your host, and in each episode of this series we will explore a different film that has recently been digitized as part of the Canadian Cinema Reignited initiative, led by Telefilm Canada and in partnership with Hot Docs, the Academy of Canadian Cinema and Television, the Festival du Nouveau Cinéma, and the Toronto International Film Festival. By taking you on a journey through time when each film was made, and how the film relates to broader historical and societal themes, Cinema Reignited will help you rediscover the legacy of Canadian film, and ensure that the stories of our past are not lost to future audiences. We're taking a look at these seminal Canadian films through a modern day lens, so we can gain insights into the shaping of our country's identity and culture. Film archivists estimate that nearly all silent films produced before 1920 are lost. See, films are fragile. Over time, they break down if they're not stored in the right conditions. I even learned they can turn into vinegar. More on that later. And preservation isn't a one-and-done event. The work is constant. It requires skilled experts, adequate facilities, and funding. So what makes preservation worthwhile? That's a question we touched on during the first four episodes of Cinema Reignited. A film can capture a moment in our history or tell the story of a community or allow us to reflect on who we are as a country. And as time passes, these films can take on more importance than they ever did before. Film archivists and preservationists are doing what they can to keep films of all kinds from being lost, including the digitization process. The Canadian Cinema Reignited Initiative curated Canadian films for digitization. Not only to preserve the films, but to create an opportunity for them to be enjoyed by new audiences. And that is ultimately what makes preservation and digitization worthwhile. And it's organizations like the Toronto International Film Festival and the Canadian Filmmakers Distribution Centre that are taking up the cause. Both hold massive libraries of Canadian films. I'm Natanya Sherman,
0: and I'm the Collections and Services Manager at the TIFF Film Reference Library. Our reference collection has over 22,000 books, 16,000 AV titles, lots of secondary information about all kinds of films, uh, not just Canadian. We have over 112 special collections, and we also have a screening collection of over 3,500 film prints on 16mm, 35mm, and 70mm which get programmed both in
1: cinema here at TIP, but also loaned out to cinematechs around the world. The Toronto International Film Festival's collection started with a donation from the Ontario Film Institute. The materials were collected by Gerald Pratley, a major Canadian film supporter, programmer, and film critic, between 1978 and 1990. When the Ontario Film Institute was disbanded, the Ontario
0: government donated that materials to us. So Since then, we've been continuing to add to it. Most of the older films in our collection probably date back to the 1960s.
2: I am Jesse Brossett. I am the distribution and collections manager at the Canadian Filmmakers Distribution Center, uh, which is also known as CFMDC. We have over 2,000 reels of film at least, and that runs from Super 8, 16 millimeter and 35 millimeter,
1: Film collections need special storage. Not too humid, not too dry, and a constant temperature around five degrees Celsius or 40 degrees Fahrenheit.
0: We want to preserve them for as long as possible. So we maintain a stable climate and a stable relative humidity to prevent all of those issues like vinegar syndrome, shrinkage, color fading, any kind of changes to the film print. And film can last up to 100 years
1: in a stable environment. And if they're not kept in a stable environment, the results are usually irreversible. Film is a notoriously volatile material
0: when it comes to conservation. A lot of people don't realize that film can actually decompose, whether it's a nitrate or nitrocellulose film or film on acetate. The film stock can actually degrade over time. And once that autocatalytic reaction starts happening, there's really nothing you can do to reverse it. And unfortunately, that's something, you know, that we see a lot in archives and it's something that we really sort of try to fight against. Um, You can get what's called vinegar syndrome, where celluloid films will actually turn to vinegar over time. The base can dry out. Sometimes you just get like hockey pucks of like plastic from shrinkage.
2: Color fading is really the bane of all old collections where the cyan and magenta and yellow dyes that exist in film. Those... Naturally, over time, will decay inevitably, sometimes at different rates. So if you lose your cyan, then you just have magenta and yellow, and then the entire image looks like this pinky orange, and it's um, not great.
1: Even under optimal conditions, films still need to be cared for. The CFMDC is an active collection. Their films are being sent to screenings around the world, so cleaning is required to keep them preserved.
2: So one of the things that we do, which is just a really basic thing to collect dust and small amounts of debris, is that we have a small swatch of black velvet, which is just a very nice, soft thing that we can press against the film and run the whole film through that. And it just collects all the little tiny particles that would fall naturally on the film or get stuck to it. But we often have a situation where we have to go in and do these more intensive cleaning In which case, one thing you can use is isopropyl alcohol with a cotton swab and just doing like very small, gentle spot cleaning. We also use a emulsion cleaner, which is a product designed specifically to be used on the emulsion of photographs and films. It's a little bit more intensive. The fumes really kick you in the face a little bit, but it's gentle and it works with the emulsion.
1: The costs of storing and maintaining the CFMDC collection are high.
2: We have many films that were given to us in metal film cans, which was very standard. And those film cans are now dented and difficult to open or rusted, which are all things that are issues for just the housing of film, because you need film to breathe a little bit. You don't want the rust being in close proximity to a film print. So even as something as simple as housing a film print and the can that it's stored in and the reel that it's stored on, It can be a huge cost just to buy new reels and new cans. CMDC has a small assortment of archival cans, which have the proper ventilation and they're inert plastic that is designed for long-term storage. You know, we can't buy 2,000-plus film cans and reels. I don't know the price off the top of my head, but even if every one was $5, they were spending $10,000 on rehousing the collection, and that's unfortunately just not the type of funding that a non-for-profit film distributor has access to. And another issue that can be very costly is just having the facilities for it. Having the space to store 2,000-plus film prints is a bit of a burden as well. And having a space especially that is temperature-controlled and you have access to humidity control, these are all things that are huge upfront costs just for building a space out to store a collection.
1: For the most part, Preservation efforts have focused on popular films. There is a financial incentive to re-release such films digitally, so studios are willing to make the investment. But independent and other types of films don't get the same attention.
2: I think the majority of the most at-risk work, which is home movies and avant-garde work and newsreels and documentaries, a lot of those works are unfortunately sort of not being cared for actively.
1: And this is a problem. Unless these films find a way into collections and receive proper care, they're soon going to be lost forever.
2: Avant-garde and experimental work, which makes up a large portion of CFMDC's collection, is difficult to care for for a lot of reasons. A lot of independent filmmakers would leave their camera originals and their internegative and all of these production elements with the film lab intending to You know, come back to them if they ever needed to make a new print. The labs close and those elements are lost or discarded or absolutely just thrown in the trash uh, because the labs are closing and they don't have any reason to hold on to them anymore or any way to hold on to them. The other aspect of it is that filmmakers are working in very unorthodox ways where they are painting on a strip of film or they are using chemicals to alter the film They're not using standard splicing tape, which is a tape that is specifically designed for film so that it doesn't, you know, the film doesn't fall apart or break. But some artists use uh, scotch tape and that just yellows and flakes and then you get flakes of tape in the film and can't necessarily replace a scotch tape splice with a proper splice because that's not what the artist intended. That's mostly what we deal with at CMC is respecting the intentions of the artist and making sure that we're not transgressing in any way by accidentally cleaning up a streak of paint that they put on the film on purpose, that sort of thing.
1: We're now going to take a quick break for a message from our podcast partner, Telefilm Canada. Some people think going to the movies is about watching one, but they've forgotten the true magic of the cinema. At the movies, you can smell the memory of being a kid Taste the wonder in losing yourself in a well-directed masterpiece. Touch the parts of your heart you forgot were still tender. And hear the contagious laughter of the crowd. See the lights dim and the energy shift. It's time to get back to it. Feel again at a theatre near you. For many collections, including TIFF's Reference Library, Digitization is the next step in preservation. We're taking analog film, usually film
0: shot on 35 millimeter, and it goes through a scanning process to create digital files or a digital cinema package or DCP. The film is run through a scanner that captures frame by frame every image, as well as all of the information from the film stocks, soundtrack information, the edge code. We've been doing mostly straight digitizations, but in the case of a restoration, you can really bring the film back to what it might have originally looked like when it was a pristine print. To be able to sort of take a print that might have seen some use and maybe doesn't necessarily represent um, the filmmaker's intention and sort of really bring it back to something that just looks
1: beautiful and really represents whatever the filmmaker was trying to show. Maintaining the artist's intention is a preservationist goal, but it can be a challenge when digitizing.
2: You're still getting the content of the films to the audience that it's intended for, but you definitely lose something not watching a work that's made on film, watching it on film. It's definitely a different experience. I have often said to people that it's similar to going to a museum and having a JPEG of a painting displayed on the wall. It's fine, you get the impression of what the work is, but it's not exactly the intention of the artist.
1: TIFF is focused on digitizing Canadian English language feature films that tell us about our culture, while Cinematheque Quebec is filling the gap on French language films. The films that we
0: ended up digitizing in 2020 and 2021 include Tales from the Gimli Hospital Redux, where we were working with Guy Baden to digitize his 1988 cult film Tales from the Gimli Hospital. We worked on digitizing the TIFF Preludes, which are a series of short films by various really well-known Canadian directors that were made for TIFF's 25th anniversary. And then we also worked on Loyalties by Anne Wheeler, which we digitized early last year and were able to screen in cinema. We've also, we worked with Babak Payami to digitize Secret Ballot as well. It seems like a very disparate group of films, but we chose these films because we think across the board, they really represent and tell us different things about Canadian culture. They all sort of come out of like the eighties and nineties, which is an interesting time frame in Canadian film because I think we're starting to sort of see a resurgence of interest in that time period. There are a
1: lot of films that could be digitized, but there's only so many resources available. So, which films get chosen? The
0: selection of the films really comes out of a collaborative process. For us at TIFF, when we were making our selections, we actually had a, a working group of different staff from our programming teams, from our library, from our technical production teams, and from our senior management teams coming together and putting together a, a long list of films that we then narrowed down to the films that we were actually able to digitize in the past year and a half. It really came out of looking at the films that were available and what we wanted to say about Canadian cinema and what we thought was important and sort of what relationships do we have with different filmmakers? Were there films that were really representative of a culture that really deserved to be digitized and sort of brought back in this particular time frame? Going through uh, both our programming priorities and also looking at questions of do we know if we can obtain the rights to this film? Do we know um, if we know where the elements are so that we can actually physically
1: create a new copy of the film using existing materials? Scanning technology has improved over the last 20 years. And audience expectations have also grown.
2: Watching a 4K transfer of a 35mm print looks pretty damn good. The technology is great now. It's, it's something that didn't exist to such a high quality previously where you would be having these pretty low quality transfers being done. As an example, at CFNBC, we had a number of films transferred for a project a few years ago, uh, I guess in the mid 2000s. That work was transferred for a DVD release and we don't have high quality transfers. We have DVD quality transfers because that was the end goal for that project. So all of these films now exist in a format digitally that I would be hesitant to even send out for a screening because we're so used to high resolution transfers now. And there is a little bit of an expectation from audiences and even from festivals and exhibitors that everything is digitized. So that the technology is great, but if the films being digitized is not always as available as I think a lot of people expect or hope for.
1: Like preservation, there are significant costs associated with digitization. Even a single feature film can cost thousands of dollars.
0: It's definitely expensive. I would say I would estimate around $10,000. And this is just for digitization, not necessarily stuff like shipping and rights and additional technological work if you're doing a restoration and really removing dust and scratches and potentially changing the image a little bit. So, yeah, you're looking at at least $10,000. So TIFF is lucky enough that we get funding through our generous donors and through partnerships with telefilm and with our friends at multiple studios. We actually, we recently acquired over 1,300 film prints on 35 mm from our friends at NBC Universal, Mongrel Media, and Entertainment One. A lot of those films include classics like Hitchcock's Rear Window. Travis Chirastami's certified copy, as well as a lot of contemporary films like Sarah Polly's Away From Her. So we're lucky enough that we have a lot of amazing, amazing partners. You know, it's, it's a challenge to do, but it's something we really try to
1: prioritize. Despite the costs, digitization creates an opportunity for new audiences. A lot of these films had
0: their time 10, 20, 30 years ago are able to be shared with people from the digital generation. And we're able to really celebrate our uh, cinema history. And not just in Canada, but abroad as well. Um, So having these prints really gives us an opportunity to look back at a lot of the films that have been created in Canada over the last 30 or 40 years and start revisiting those films and thinking about what they say about our culture and, and being able to share them. So I think that's something that's really exciting and it makes it so much more accessible for people to be able to
1: see these films. Many historical films can contain content that is harmful and unacceptable to a modern audience. But erasing these historical records could have worse consequences. We can't erase things from the past
0: and pretend that these parts of history never happened. I very much believe that archives and cinematex can be a place where. We're allowed to be critical. We don't need to celebrate figures or content that causes pain to others. But I don't think we should erase it either. I think that one of the things that we, I think we do really well at TIFF is programming and sort of creating context around difficult material, whether that's racist depictions or sexism or inappropriate language. We make sure that there's an opportunity for dialogue with the people who come and see our films and that we make sure that diversity and equity and deserving groups are heard and consulted and that there's opportunities to talk about and understand the cultural and sociopolitical context that the film was made in. Sometimes if the filmmaker is is still with us in those situations, that ends a discussion with the filmmaker about how and, and whether we can even present their work. We can't erase the past, but we need to talk about it and we need to hold ourselves accountable to what happened
1: in the past so that we don't repeat it. Accountability is the only way to move forward. The opportunity to watch these seminal films is the real purpose of preservation. Organizations like TIFF and the CFMDC make them more accessible. For a lot of the films that we
0: digitized as part of the telefilm digitization project with Cinema Reignited, Part of that project was finding space to actually screen them in cinema and celebrate these films and celebrate the work that we did on them. The second piece is through film loans to other cinematechs internationally. I know that Tales of the Gimli Hospital uh, Redux is going to be shown quite a few times in the next year. One of the opportunities that we have now that the films are digital is that When folks are interested in licensing them for DVD or Blu-ray releases, even for streaming or video on demand, we have the technology to be able to provide them to people. And that way people can access these films from the comfort of their own home, which is a total change in the way we view films now. And I think for me, you know, what's really at the crux of a lot of the work I do, the point of preservation isn't just to preserve things for its own sake, but it's to make sure that people are able to connect with cultural heritage. At TIFF, we talk a lot about transformative experience through film. When you can access film, when you can access material that relates to our our past or tells us about our culture, I think that's when it changes things for people, and you can never tell what's going to have an impact.
1: With access to films of the past, new discoveries can be made that might have gone unnoticed, especially Canadian work that was not in the mainstream.
2: So much of the work that was made by Canada, or made in Canada in the mid-20th century, was made by the National Film Board. But people were making independent work, independent of the National Film Board, independent of any funding body. They were just going out with a 16mm film and shooting whatever struck their fancy, whatever they thought was a a beautiful landscape or an interesting concept. And I think it's uh, very important to recognize the plurality of work that was being made in Canada. So much of the work that exists in CFMDC's collection were made by independent filmmakers who some of them have become very well-known and very, um, yeah, institutionalized. They've become part of the canon of Canadian film in documentary or experimental or in animation. But a lot of the films have not gotten there yet. They haven't been discovered or they haven't been written about. And we don't always know why that is. We don't know if a work wasn't widely shown at the time of its release or the time of its production because of maybe queer subject matter or a film being made about a community that is more marginalized in Canada and maybe just the film didn't find its audience at the time. I think it's incredibly interesting to go back in time and find out what people were saying at the time. As much as these are artworks, they're also historical objects, they're historical records. CFNDC is currently a part of a Shirk-funded project called Archive Counter Archive, which is being run out of York University. And as part of that project, we are working on a case study of sort of activating an aspect of our collection that has been forgotten about or has not been um, actively engaged with in some time, which is uh, queer work made in the 80s and 90s, which was an era that was so important for that uh, subject matter for, for queer filmmakers. Uh, making films about HIV, AIDS, and prosecution, and, and protests, and, and activism, and also things that were not those that small checklist of things that we often think about for queer cinema. There's a, an incredible plurality of voices that exists in the history of film made in Canada, um, and I think it's very important that we revisit that.
1: These new discoveries will help us understand more about ourselves, our culture, and our country.
0: You know, whether you're looking at film as anthropologically or through a historical or sociopolitical lens, the stories we tell and the visual media we capture, it really tells us about ourselves and our culture. So losing this cultural heritage, I think, would be a huge loss to our own self-understanding and our ability to sort of look backwards and, you know, see what kind of media was coming out of Canada and see what kind of stories we were representing and how we can move forward and maybe, you know, look to the past and reference and celebrate some of our own artists, but also so we can look forward.
1: The films of the 20th century are on the endangered list. Some are more at risk than others. Studios' catalogs might be safer as streaming services look for more content. But the documentaries, experimental, student, independent, and art films are still worth preserving. And there is an opportunity for these films to be screened in their original format or through digitization. It takes funding, but the cost of letting them disappear is far greater. We're losing the documentation of our history, the chance to bring the past into the present. Canadian Cinema Reignited is one initiative helping to preserve and digitize Canadian films for future generations of cinema lovers. But there are others, and these initiatives need support. And it comes in many forms, attending a screening, making a donation, or watching these films from your own home. If you love film and want to preserve Canadian film history, then you'll agree, the cause is worthwhile. We hope you enjoyed Cinema Reignited. Be sure to check telefilm.ca to learn about more films being digitized as part of the Canadian Cinema Reignited initiative. Thanks to Natanya Sherman and Jesse Brossett for speaking with us for this episode. Thank you for listening to Cinema Reignited. I hope that in this limited series of five episodes, you have learned something new about the Canadian film landscape and our country's cultural identity. If you found this episode interesting, please share it with your network and even tag us at the CDN Academy and Sister Sama. Of course, rate and review the podcast to help us connect with other Canadian film lovers. Please follow the Canadian Academy, Telefilm Canada, TIFF's Film Reference Library, and the Canadian Filmmakers Distribution Centre for more news about film preservation initiatives and screenings of archival film near you. Cinema Reignited was produced by Katie Elder and Rebecca Love from the Academy of Canadian Cinema and Television in partnership with Trevor Fook, Dylan Moore, Brittany Ween, Mackenzie Patterson, and Janie Rowe from Quill Podcasting
2: and was hosted by
1: me, Samah Ali.